Good morning, everyone. It's 9 p.m., which means it's 2 a.m., 10 a.m., 8 p.m., 6 p.m., and as always, it's anytime, anywhere. Brought to you by Peach Sprunk. Clean and simple, just the way we do it around here. Gonna start today with a little bit of a somber note. I blame Kyle because I was getting texts from him before I started calling you guys. He was telling me about this, and it's funny that he mentioned this to me, because I was actually talking about this at work the other day as well, with some co-workers at Wawa. And I'm stupid, because when I say at work, that implies co-workers and Wawa, since it's somewhere I'm currently working. But, it's not Shadow trying to pad time, but anyways. So, he mentioned to me this dude in 2002, so, you know, a little bit after, and it was early 2002, so, you know, right after 9-11 happened, this kid got inspired, quote-unquote, by 9-11, stole a Cessna 172 from his flight school, and this was in Tampa. That's why I always say Tampa's not part of Florida. They, Tampa's some crazy, crazy. But stole a plane, stole a Cessna 172, my little weed whacker baby, and he's like, I'm going to do another 9-11. And he crashed it into um, an office building in downtown Tampa. Now, I mentioned this story to my coworkers the other day, and I said this story's kind of funny to me which is kind of messed up if you think about it. But I find it funny because he's like, I'm going to do another 9-11. Crash into a building, and guess what happened? The building's still standing. Nobody got injured. There was only one thing that happened, and he died. That was it. <laughs> he left a suicide note praising bin Laden, blah, blah, blah. FAA investigated, EAA investigated, president, blah, blah, all the good stuff. No harm was done. I mean, you know, planes are insured, so the flight school got the money back. Yippity-doo, the building was insured. They got their money back. Nobody got injur injured except this deranged kid. So all's good and well as far as I'm concerned, right? You know, that'll piss some people off, but, you know. And then, uh, while talking this, I was talking also to the coworkers about the Q400 in SeaTac in 2018. That was the ramp guy who stole the plane, took it for a joyride, and then crashed it into an island. And again, no casualties aside from him, but no civilian casualties, no structural casualties, yada yada, talking about airport security and blah 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 blah. Why am I bringing this up today? I don't know. This is just what I'm thinking about. And I mean, I could talk to you guys for a little bit about the security or non-security of airports and the ease of access and use of different aircraft. And it's like, on the one hand, me telling you that, does that make somebody want to go out and do it? Maybe. So I shouldn't say it. But on the other hand, it's like, for the people that want to do these things, if you notice, um, the commonality between these two things is that dude was already a student pilot, uh, the one in Tampa, and the one in Seattle... He was a ramp agent, so it seems like these are not security breaches, these are abuses of trust, to quote the news in Wikipedia. So, stuff that I'm telling you guys right now, the people that end up going out and doing this crap are not people that had no idea that they could. You know, so me telling you guys now, like, hey, you know how easy it is to steal a plane, which by the way, it's a lot harder now, it gets harder every year, obviously, because we don't want repeats of this stuff. But the people that go out and do this stuff are not the people that all of a sudden find out, hey, getting a plane is actually pretty easy. No, it's the people that have been around the planes already and have access to them already. You know, it's hard for outside people to go in and get one, you know, more or less. I mean, not really, but kind of. 
But it's the people that are already working right next to them that get the idea of, hey, I'm here, let me go do something stupid. Again, there's not really a moral for this story. I mean, don't steal planes, don't crash them. Planes are cool, why would you want to get rid of planes? Especially the cool rare ones. I'm gonna, that guy you guys last year, remember? Uh, the guy who was sponsored by Ridge Wallet. Love how Ridge Wallet sponsored him, but I still have no sponsors for this podcast, but whatever. But that Trevor, Trevor, I always mess up the comedian, this guy. So Trevor Jacobs, Trevor Noah. One of them's a famous comedian. One of them is this guy. I don't remember which is which. But anyways, dude takes his GoPros in the plane. He has a engine failure at like 8,000 feet or something. Jumps out of the plane with his camera and has a parachute. Luckily, I always fly with a parachute. No, he doesn't. Jumped out of the plane, crashed a perfectly good vintage tailwheel into a mountain. Could have flown it by accident. That plane was uncontrolled. It could have flown itself into a city and hurt people. Luckily, again, loss of infrastructure. Not really. It was a mountain. But loss of plane, loss of infrastructure, no loss of life. So, again, same type of thing. These near misses, though, of course, could be. And that's why we talk about them. I'm not going to beat up that whole Trevor story because, you know, everybody's already beaten to death already. He was at 8,000 feet. He had suitable time to restart the engine, run the checklist, find a safe place to land, best glide, yada yada. Ditching is, as pilots, when we're trained to deal with engine failures, even in a single engine plane, the last thing that we think about is ditching the plane. Even with a parachute, because you can't really control where the parachute goes, you can't control where the plane goes. The best chance that you have is continuing to fly the plane. If a plane loses an engine, it's not a rock, it's a glider. They're still aerodynamically sound, unless a wing falls off and then... That's a different story, but wings don't just fall off. They fall off for one of two things. Maintenance irregularities or severe, um, I always forget the word, uh, severe negligence on the part of the pilot. All right? The planes get certificated to basically deal with 125% of what is listed in the manual as an acceptable tolerance. They, they are made to withstand some crap. So even normal negligence is not going to have a wing to come off. It's not going to cause a wing to come off. Extreme negligence is what causes wings to come off, okay? Engine failures are pretty much a non-issue. You know, we have some, hey, now you guys get an airplane lesson finally out of me. But you get your ABCs, right? You know, airspeed for best glide. You want to float as far as possible, especially if you have to land at a field that's upwind because now you're fighting the wind and it's decreasing how far you can glide, right? Airspeed for best glide. Look for the best place to land. That's B. C is the checklist. You know, you're going to try and restart the engine. Do you have fuel supplied to the engine? Are the mags running? Um, is the alternator dead? Are you running on battery? Um, can you crank the starter? Maybe the engine just flamed out. You restarted. Who knows? Uh, do you have electrical power now to try and, I don't know, use, use flaps? Do you have the ability to use the flaps to make a landing at a slower speed if you have a good place to land right under you and you're just circling it, for example? But you run the checklist, you try and problem solve. We are problem solvers, not quitters. And then D, if you have time, declare emergency. Squawk 77... Uh, radio 121.5, mayday, 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 Skyhawk, engine failure, landing at this field, mile to my, off my right wing, off my three o'clock, whatever, tell them your intentions, declare emergency, they'll keep other traffic out of your way, blah, 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 E, exit the plane, land the plane safely, unlatch the doors, seat belts, get out of the plane, if it's a smooth, soft landing, you probably have time to get your stuff, if it's a, 
you know, a rough landing, you're probably going to want to get out of there before something catches on fire. Point of the matter is A, B, C, D, E. Notice how nowhere in there are we bailing out. They always say, you know, the captain goes down with the ship. That goes back to the, the nautical days. That goes back to boats. But airplanes are boats with wings. You know, a lot of the stuff that we do, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, how, you know, boat captains can ordain a wedding, so probably, so can pilots, right? A lot of the stuff we get, we measure in nautical miles. We fly, our airspeed is in knots. And by the way, I have a whole separate thing. I, yeah, I will sidetrack here. Knots and nautical miles are better than American statute miles. Those, uh, they're 1.15, so roughly 6,000 feet. They're 1.15 statute miles. Statute miles, 5,280 feet, and nautical miles, like 6,000. So they're better because actually the unit of measurement for a, knot, a nautical mile, which a knot is nautical miles per hour, a nautical mile is one degree of longitude at the equator, if I'm not mistaken. So it's rooted in a measurement that you can repeat and test. The original statute mile comes from British kings measuring their feet. True story, look it up. Anyways, we get a lot of our stuff in aviation from, from maritime stuff. And... Yeah, so, you know, there's a long tradition of being problem solvers. The captain goes down with the ship. The reason that the captain has so much power and is able to do so much is because he has so much responsibility, whether it's at an airline or in a Skyhawk. All right, 91.1 or 91.1 or 91.3, crap. But the pilot in command is the final authority in the safe operation of the aircraft. The captain. The pilot in command is generally the captain, the most senior person on the aircraft. They're, they're expected to act with the most rational behavior. That means, you know, on an airline, that means a lot of things. You're the one that calls what checklists get done. You're the one that makes sure that everybody safely evacuates. You're the one that makes sure that there's no loss of life if possible, no loss of property if possible, no loss of infrastructure if possible. You're the one that's checking maintenance. You're the one signing your name on all of that, on the weight and balance and the cargo and and law enforcement officers, and any and everything involved with what goes on in that plane. That plane is basically, I'm not going to say this exactly because it's not exactly true, but when a plane is flying, it's basically a sovereign nation, and the captain is the president, if you will. Because with great power comes great responsibility. Now, scale this down a little bit to little weed whackers, right? And we're going to come here and bring everything full circle. I can't believe I actually just went and did a 15-minute rant, but... You know, in the little weed whacker, the PIC, the pilot in command, is the final authority of the aircraft. And why are you the final authority of the aircraft? When you declare emergency, you can, you'll have to do paperwork later, but you can basically do whatever you want to ensure everybody and everything stays safe. If you're flying solo, that means you, again, you're going down with the ship. If you have passengers, you know, you're the one in charge there. That's the whole idea. People sign for their PIC time when pilots time build together. And they just kind of willy-nilly, ha, oh, I'm PIC, you're PIC, because nothing bad ever happens, right? Right? Well, when bad stuff does happen, the person who is PIC, you know, they're the one that, that they have all of that responsibility now to protect life, property, and all that. So, then you have people like the Trevor guy, and the kid in Tampa, and the Q400 guy, and all that. And... <laughs> No. I'm going to go specifically back to the Trevor guy. You know, we don't bail out. We take care of our kingdom the best we can until the end. You always want to be a Sully, not a freaking Trevor Jake, Trevor Jacobs. Anyways, um, yeah. Because, uh, 
you know, I think somebody said it best to me when I was at PSA. You, your goal is to be Captain What's-His-Name. I mean, unless you get the luck of being Sully and doing it right, but most of the time when we end up in the news, it's not a good thing. All the people that end up in the news in an airplane, good stuff, is always civilians, is always non-pilots that save the day by somehow flying a plane, like the person who landed the C-208 in Palm Beach and wasn't a pilot, even though they were kind of a pilot, but that's a story for another day. When an actual pilot ends up in the news, most of the time, it's because he's screwed up, and we don't want that, you know, especially with the voice recorders and all of that. I brought all of this stuff up to you today, even though most of you aren't actually pilots, don't want to be pilots. I don't know why I just went on a rant and wasted your time about that. I know some of you find it interesting. Some of you do want to be pilots. And I guess today's lesson wasn't really on technique. It's more on responsibility. Look at me being a grown-up adult. Like I told you guys yesterday, those kids screwed me up. I'm thinking about responsibility and stuff. I don't want to do that. I guess one more thing I can mention on it is how PSA's culture is about building professionals. And I was like, hey, I'm a professional. There's different levels of professionals, you know. You can be good at what you do. That's like a base thing there. Just doing it right in the first place. Acting the way you're supposed to. Then there's going above and beyond in acting how you're supposed to. And then there's, you know... I don't remember verbatim, but then there's another higher level that you can do above that. Again, really acting with integrity, even in the face of doubt. And then the last one is being a mentor to others. Like, not only do you act with integrity, you follow the rules, you make wise decisions. You know, not only are you good at being a pilot and good at making good decisions and good at working under stress or not, but you're passing that on to other pilots. It's kind of ironic the dude sitting here with 300 hours and practically no real-world experience is sitting here trying to lecture to you guys about how you should and shouldn't operate a plane, but it's fine. If somebody takes away anything, even if only if even only one person comes away from this like, wow, I really shouldn't treat planes like toys, then, hey, that may be one less Tampa incident that we may have, SeaTac incident we may have, all these Trevor Jacob incident we may have. But, of course, I can't be serious the whole time. I have to end on a joke, obviously. And it's funny because my favorite joke kind of flies in the face of literally everything I just said. But it's just that. It's just a joke. It's just a joke, bro. Uh, is where, you know, um, and it's not just to pilots, but, you know, it's like, men never grow up. Their toys just get bigger and more expensive, right? You know, going from toy cars to real cars. And it's like, no, pilots are not... Uh, planes are not toys. They are just, they are very expensive, complicated machines operated by children. <laughs> and again, that flies in the face of all the logic I just gave you, but these are some of the best behaved children you've ever seen. And on that, I'm going to go be a good behaved child and go to bed because I have to work tomorrow. So I'll see you guys then. Bye.